Welcome to the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. On today's episode of our daily NYFF 59 edition, NYFF Director of Programming Dennis Lim is joined by Paul Verhoeven, whose latest film, Benedetta, is a main slate selection of this year's festival and will open at Film at Lincoln Center on December 3rd. Based on true events, Benedetta unearths the story of Benedetta Carlini, a 17th century nun in Tuscany who believes she saw visions of Christ and engaged in a sexual relationship with a fellow sister at her abbey. Because this is a film by genre auteur par excellence, Paul Verhoeven, whose movies include Robocop, Basic Instinct, and NYFF 54 selection, L. The result is anything but a reverent treatment of an odd footnote in Catholic European history. Forgoing the hallmarks of prestige cinema, this delirious, erotic, and violent melodrama is told with a boundless spirit for scandal, and unabashedly courts blasphemy as it unfolds its tale of religious hypocrisy. Wildly entertaining, and featuring standout performances from Virginie Efira as the title character and Charlotte Rampling as the stoic, conflicted Mother Abbess, Benedetta maintains both a feverish pitch and a fascinating ambiguity in its depiction of the miraculous and the mundane, the sacred and the profane. To learn more and get tickets for this year's NYFF, taking place through October 10th, indoors and outdoors throughout New York City, visit filmlink.org. Enjoy this conversation with director Paul Verhoeven. Take-home limited edition merch from this year's 59th New York Film Festival. The official NYFF 59 poster, designed by artist Kara Walker, plus original NYFF t-shirts, hats, and more, are now available. Shop online at filmlink.org.merch or during the festival at Alice Tully Hall and the Eleanor Bunin Monroe Film Center. Welcome. Um, my name is Dennis Lim. I'm the director of programming for the New York Film Festival, and I'm very pleased to be joined, not in person, but remotely by the director of Benedetta, the great Paul Verhoeven. Thank you, Paul, for joining us. It's a pleasure. Um, I, I, hope. Gonna... <laughs> um, I hope for the audience, too. Uh, people listening will, will, will just have seen the film at one of its screenings. Um, I thought I would start by asking you to not specifically about the film, but to talk a little bit about religion. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about this before. I know you do not come from a religious background, but you are, you take religion very seriously. Uh, you're somebody who studied um, about the life of Jesus. You've written a book about um, Jesus. So can you tell us what, where your interest in religion came from? When did it start for you? Well, it had to do with uh, something in, uh, when I was in my 20s, when I was in a sort of kind of a crisis and went to the, uh, there was a woman that addressed me uh, on the street, in fact, and saw that I was uh, a little bit psychotic, you could say. <laughs> Anyhow, she said, you, uh, Jesus will help you. And so I went to the Pentecostal church for a couple of weeks. and. Oh, sorry about that. I went I've... to the to the Pentecostal uh, church and um, yeah, a couple of weeks, and then I found out that it was not true. 
it took me time to find out that yes when they when the the pastor the minister would say thank you jesus that you are with us yes i felt that jesus is there but then i started to realize slowly that that jesus or whatever i felt was really provoked by the organ music and that it was part of my own brain and that there was basically no jesus there and in fact it's impossible in my opinion, of course, and that there are a lot of people feel that Jesus came back. But um, I think that is uh, really uh, impossible. Yeah. Was there a so particular... I, 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 there was a period that I, I was a, a believer, but this is really short, <laughs> a couple of weeks. And um, I said, but then later, of course, I started to realize that I didn't know anything about Jesus. And, and I was perhaps because of what happened there in the Pentecostal church, I started to be interested in the person, Jesus. And then I started to read more and more. And I think about now I collected about thousand books about Jesus. So they are upstairs. They're not the things that you see behind me, but it's upstairs. And um, because of course, the, the figure and, and, the, and the, what the teachings of Jesus um, are so important for, uh, let's say, European and, and American uh, culture, you know, that, that has influenced us for thousands of years, in fact, 2000 mm -hmm. years, but nearly now. And I felt that was interesting and important to understand and why, uh, and, and, but I wanted to know what really what did really Jesus do and what did he say? So I, my whole investigation about Jesus is about the historical Jesus. So that's still, I'm still buying books when there is something about Jesus that they invented or whatever, there's a new gospel or this, I mean, these things happen, we find a papyrus and then it's a new gospel or not, or it's a fraud or this. And yeah, I follow all that. and. Um, so I have an enormous respect for Jesus as a historical figure. Was there a moment you described this, um, you know, being a believer for a brief period and then not believing? Was there a particular moment that that's that that sparked that realization for you? Yeah, it had all to do with my girlfriend being pregnant. And then I didn't know I, that was basically uh, would force me to take a job and whatever. So that was a, a really at that time I was in my twenties. That was uh, let's say um, uh, a crisis, and and that was solved for three weeks until um, till I got to my friends, uh, one of my study friends who, whose father is doctor. And basically, then he said, uh, do you want that baby? And then uh, Martin and I both said, uh, no, really not now, later. And then we said, go oh, come to the hospital. It was forbidden at that time. Abortion was forbidden in Dutch, right. in Holland. Yeah. I mean, not for, uh, 10 years later, it was opened up, yeah? Abortion is legal in, in Holland, but already for 30, 40 years. So that crisis basically provoked the Pentecostal church, yes. Right. And, I, and my interest in Jesus, that is transformed by my own brains, uh, apparently, uh, transformed in my, let's say, historical interest in Jesus. Right. So can I ask you about, um, 
the source material uh, for Benedetta, which is a book by uh, Judith Brown called A Modest Axe. Actually, yeah, sure. Wait a second. So I'll, I'll, I'll show it. Okay. <laughs> it's a very small book. Yes. And um, it's called A Modest Axe, isn't it? The Judith Brown is here. And, and uh, um, for me, um, it was a really a coincidence when I was talking uh, about uh, in talking probably around 2000 or something, 2004, five, that I was talking to my Dutch screenplay writer who had written all my Dutch movies and later Black Book also in yep. 2006, seven or something. Um, and he said to me, have you ever read this little booklet uh, and uh, Immortal Sex? And I said, no, I, I don't know about that. And he gave it to me and said to me, well, I think this is a, this could be a movie. So I, I took him seriously because we had done already five, six movies and a television series together. So when he, uh, and mostly uh, uh, things that came from, uh, uh, that Gerard found and, and then transformed into, uh, into screenplay. So I followed, um, followed up by reading it. And I thought, yes, uh, Gerard is right. Uh, that could be a movie, we should try. And then I, I, I contacted my French producer, Said Ben Said, who had been producing L uh, in 2015 or something, 16, um, and I sent him the book. And um, then we all agreed that it should be a movie. It is such a special thing that something so, so, so strange. If you read the book, of course, uh, because you have here in the book, you have, let's say, uh, the, 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 really the document tells you what two women be, called Benedetta and Bartolomea said during the trial that was around 1620, 23, 1610 to 20, 1620, yeah. So mm -hmm. it was three years of, of trial of several trials uh, where they were, where they were accused of, of having a, a sexual relationship with uh, the two, two women. And um, I think that is so unique. There is no, let's say out of that time, medieval time, there is not the, the notes of a trial anywhere else about a lesbian relationship. This is the only case that we have that basically where the, 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 where we know what was said during the trial by the two, two nuns. And that's the only case. I mean, it's even, um, uh, let's say a miracle that we found this because it was completely coincidence. Well, Judith Brown went um, in the eighties, she went to uh, work on a project, a historical project as you, she is a, uh, professor uh, at Stanford and history and um, but she was looking at, at something very special and it was therefore in the uh, came in the archives of the state um, library of Florence and uh, as when she was working on that other project she saw by coincidence that there was a box there basically that was strangely named uh, that she couldn't understand so she took it out and, and started to look at it. And that was really the notes basically that were written by the scribe, male scribe, uh, in 1622, 34. 
So, um, and that was so amazing. Of course, you, where do you find, you could say, where do you find a, a document out of in medieval times that tells you what Bartolomea said during the trial? Oh, I, I kissed her genitals 20 times. And kissing is, of course, licking, isn't it? So, I mean, where do you find that? It's, it was so unique that, uh, let's, um, that this was found, that we felt that it was wonderful to, 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 to show that, you know? To, to, it's also about how did people look at uh, lesbianism, the, mm -hmm. the word that didn't in, uh, even under, uh, uh, um, the word lesbian, didn't exist right. at that time, but uh, say female, female sexuality, right. and and um, how, how you could also it's so interesting how they how they looked at lesbianism in in the beginning of the seventeenth century and how we look now, and the progress we made. There is really progress in basically in accepting that this le uh, lesbian sex is just part of nature. Right. So, you know, it's very Darwinian, of course. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm a Darwinist. Yeah. As aside from this, you know, this level of detail that you describe, um, you know, in, in, in Brown's research, um, what was it that drew you to the story of, of of this nun, because you know you you could describe it as a film about a lesbian relationship between you know two nuns, but I think that doesn't really get at what what else is in the film or, or what, well, what seems to interest you in the film, because it's a film about belief, you know, it's a film about power and how these things sure. intersect. And yeah, there's three le levels I would say that is the the uh, religious level, of course. I mean, she has a lot of visions about Jesus. Um, and 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 other saints, uh, let's say, and um, the, <clears throat> then there's a, a layer of power, uh, a woman <laughs> getting power in a male uh, society. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was all, uh, of course, the, the male was important and the female was just uh, uh, sideline, isn't it? I mean, uh, a woman that succeeded before she was even 30 years old, succeeded that to become the abdes of, of a monastery was pretty unique. And it's clear from, if you read the, uh, the notes of the trial, that Benedetta was, you could say, looking for power. Mm -hmm. But I think looking for power, not so much because of the power, but what she could do when she got the stigma, stigmata, in fact, uh, whatever way they came, um, they were so impressed in the monastery that they made her the abdes of the, of the monastery. But that was really the thing that she really wanted, because as being an abbess, she had a, a private room. And she was not, uh, they were not in the dormitory, dormitory with 20 other nuns. Now she had her own, she could close the door and put it and, 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 and close it and, and turn the key. So she could do with Bartolomea whatever they wanted to do. Right. So it was, uh, the movie is about power, has the, uh, certainly her attaining power, but, but there is also immediate, uh, let's say something uh, very pragmatic um in her her power she uses mostly 
to uh, be able for a couple of years to have a sexual relationship in uh, mm -hmm. with Bartholomew. So, and then the, of course there's the general church politics. Basically, that is at that time was of course uh, had. Have to step back a little bit a moment. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, realized that in 1532, so about 100 years earlier, Charles the the, the fifth basically had an edict saying that as if a woman would have uh, uh, sex with another woman, they should she should be burned on the stake. That was a 1532. In 1625, the 2025 were at the case of Benedetta, that was softened. Uh, of course, you would be punished if, if uh, as a woman, if you had sex with another woman, you would be punished in, in, in very different ways, because you would not be burned. But if you would use an instrument, uh, as, we see, as we see in the film. Then yes. basically you would be burned at stake. Okay. So that was the position of, of, of um, uh, that we basically used in the movie. Yes. Right. So, th so that, that isn't in Brown's book. The sex toy is not part of uh, the book, but that you, in, you introduced that because of the stake. Not the stake no, the, the, the dildo is introduced mm. in, the, in the book by other. Uh, uh, um, um there's a couple of pages that he uh, that he talks about dildos and how they were what, what that meant and what the danger was if you use that and stuff okay. and but that was not applying to benedetta and bartolomeo that there were other cases in right. spain and i think some were in italy or whatever even in, in holland i think um and um i used that um i took that um from for dramatic reasons yes mm -hmm. i mean because in, in, in i felt that in in 1625 bringing her to 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 the stake um which was also invented by us bringing her to the stake um uh, to be burned uh, uh, because of a lesbian relationship would historically be incorrect that was that was not the case anymore mm -hmm. so we needed really something that was so uh, bad, meaning using a dildo, that she would be uh, she would be burned. Yeah, right. But that's so, a, a narrative, <laughs> uh, let's say, dramaturgic things that we added. But they yeah. are in the, they, they are in the book and the and the, the little statue of um, uh, of of um, the Virgin Mary uh, was part of the script from the very very beginning, basically because that was uh, that's. Uh, yeah because she comes in with her little uh, 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 statuette and then the, the, the nun says, oh, that's worthless, you know, we have here the statue of the, this is really important. This is the, uh, our, our statue of the Virgin Mary in the, in the corridors is important. And, and she takes, takes the, the sta little statuette from Benedetta and puts it in, in a drawer and it's gone, yeah? So later, that was there from the beginning. Yeah. Right. And we used that slowly, that became mm -hmm. because when we were working towards the ending and tried to basically find a way that it would not end, the movie would not end like, like this, isn't it? That it, there would be something at the end as a director, screenplay, why you want to build up to something. And, and we wanted to build up to a scene where um, a la Joan of Arc or mm -hmm. Marie Antoinette uh that is uh both being uh 
brought to the guillotine or to the to the stake. That was really what we wanted from a drama point of view. Mm -hmm. And then we had to build up everything towards that. And and historically, basically, we needed done, uh, let's say, uh, the, the two women having used a, a dildo. Yeah, right. So the other striking thing, uh, I think, from a dramaturgical point of view is the I think it's kind of a signature of yours is the the ambiguity in the film. There's this, you know, which I think is very interesting that the film maintains this kind of ambiguity when it's a film about belief too, because we don't know, um, you know, what people around her belief, uh, you know, the, the nature of her belief is sort of remains ambiguous. Um, so I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about sustaining that throughout the film, like, you know, are these miracles, are these self-inflicted, you know, is this like, and does it, you know, does it, does it matter in the, in the bigger picture? not um, for the story itself but i think you can ask yourself uh what is true there and not true did she mm -hmm. uh, let's say ar arrange things in a certain way uh did she lie about her her uh, visions um I, I that's certainly um ambiguous but i like ambiguity i <laughs> i like it because it felt so boring to say it is this or that, you know, I felt it was more interesting to give the audience a lot of information and left, let them have a, a, a space where they could go to the left or to the right themselves. That was the, uh, let's say, if you look at, at another movie, basically, Total Recall is a really even a, 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 a sharper, let's say, um, mm -hmm. statement in ambiguity. We, at the end of the movie, you don't know if he was really, let's say, lobotomized. Huh? Or is he the hero that basically gave Mars an, an atmosphere? And it's right. not clear. Uh, mm -hmm. Throughout the whole movie, we we, 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 we made clear, uh, I think we, we, we succeeded, to, to leave it in the middle, you know? Not telling it is, it is really, Dr. Edgemar comes in and say, you're still basically in a dream, you know, still on Earth, you're just all a dream. Uh, and at the end, of course, it's still unclear if it was a dream, you know, the last line is let's kiss before we find out that, it's true, that, that it was a dream, you know. Right. So I think that ambiguity is also, of course, the, in general, the ambiguity about everything in life is there, yeah. there, there is, let's say, there are as many visions about, let's say, ideas about the situation or character or whatever. Uh, you can you cannot say it is this or that. I feel that this a little bit this and per, or perhaps that, but that that's part of it. I mean, the only thing that but that is really true is mathematics. You know, the rest right. is guessing right. and hoping that it's right. true. But mathematics really is absolutely true. Yeah, I know, I know, and you're a mathematician. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but that's <laughs> funny because I went in two completely different direction later. But but yes. but, um, but I have always thought, okay, uh, let's say if you study uh, mathematics, um, and, and I did it on the theory of uh, general relativity, then you get another, uh, you, you look at life in a different way. Yeah. yeah. You say, how is it possible that basically in, in, in the universe, it's completely ruled by mathematics? But I think what you were saying about how this describes many of your, it's, it's not just, yeah, Total Recall, but, you know, Basic Instinct is another film sure. that I think has an ambiguity that's sustained. Even L, I think, you know, has a, 
certain like we don't know exactly like where where she stands um well, but certainly you don't know where ben, where the the wife of the rapist stays in exactly the, is, yeah is, she seems to be let's say a roman catholic very uh, let's say christian uh, uh woman isn't it that prays and asks everybody to pray before a dinner she talks about jesus and whatever and then later at the end of the movie you find out she knew everything about her husband that what he was doing was with uh, sadomasochistic approaches and the rapes, the rapes he did, basically, and she seems to think she thanks Isabelle Huppert that uh, she, uh, that uh, she gave her husband uh, the possibility to have all these uh, interesting S and M sessions. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good segue to talk about the actress who plays that part, and of course is is Benedetta herself, uh, Virginie Efira. Um, can you say a little bit about putting this, I think, really amazing cast of especially women together, you know, uh, Virginie, um, Daphne Patakian, Charlotte Rampling. I mean, um, casting, was that, was that an important part of the process for you? Did you already know, since you knew Virginie from the previous film, were you already, do you have her in Absolutely. mind already? Yeah. No, I based it, it completely on the character that she had in, in L. I mean, okay. it is a, a smaller part, mm -hmm. but basically uh, to the outside being a, a, a Christian saint <laughs> nearly, and in reality being uh, being helping her husband to have sadomasochistic sex with other, uh, raping other women. So I, I think that's... Um, uh, there was no, no choice there. I mean, the moment that we start to work on the movie, I felt that it should be Virginie. And, and we never did auditions or whatever. I asked her, basically, I gave her the script and said, do you want to do it? And then she said, as you read it, and I said, yes, let's do it. And that was all, you know, and then we started, yeah, then you talk a little bit about the character or whatever, but, but there was no discussion in any way. It was immediately clear to me, absolutely clear that it should be Virginie. Of course, with, with Bartholomea, with Daphne Padakia, that um, I didn't know her. She came to the auditions, and, and when she was uh, play, uh, doing a, a scene, uh, we were testing her, um, it was, in fact, when she, uh, the lightheartedness that she brought to the character is, is uh, really made me... Uh, was important for me because I, by the way she treated it, I said, I thought, yeah, that's the way to do it, you know? And, and so uh, with, uh, with Daphne, there was, when I had found her, I mean, among 20 or 30 other possibilities that came to, the, uh, to us basically for auditions, um, when she came in after the audition was clear. So, and, and uh, Charlotte Rampling, of course, um, I knew from her movie, so I mean, I didn't test her either, you know. I we discussed it, and then um, and then she said, "Well, you know, I don't see a reason not to do it." And then I said, "Well, <laughs> why don't you do it then?" Yeah. And then she said, "Okay, I'll do it." <laughs> that was the conversation, really. So I mean, these these choices were very intuitive, uh, but I I, I felt that uh, 
like when I, I chose uh, Sharon Stone, basically for basic instinct, and everybody disagreed. Uh, but I based it on Total Recall, you know, I, I based it on what I had seen that her doing. And mm -hmm. I thought, if she can do that, she can do, uh, let's say, uh, Catherine Trammell in, in Basic Instinct. I, I think your intuition, or, or what is intuition, it is a part of your brain, of course, that basically has seen something, and basically I think that was true. And, I'm, and now it was like this, and now I'll do the same, but like that, yeah, big. And in both cases, basically, um, certainly in the case of, of uh, Virginie, but also in the case of, of Shannon choosing her for Basic Instinct, that was really based on the movie before. And, and you could say based perhaps on, on in the case of uh, uh, Shannon Stone, in the case of 30 seconds or something, and mm -hmm. maybe, uh, Virginie was probably three minutes or something of the of the film before that convinced me. Right. So I mean, uh, so I I think uh, my intuition was okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, that seems to be. I'm wondering if there was a, a lot of rehearsal in in your process for this film, or a lot of discussions with the actors, because what you what really comes across is the sense of these these actresses who are really on on your wavelength, you know, in terms of like your sense of humor i mean and this the other thing we haven't talked about yet. it's actually quite a funny film too uh even it is, as partially sure yeah yeah there's oh. funny things in it well no we didn't talk too much i mean we talked about staging are you walking to the left or the right or do you stop there do you turn your 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 back to her or him um but we, we were not really talking about character we were not talking about motivation we were basically uh, all these things that that you think that the director might do is <laughs> to prepare. No, we didn't do that. I, I I thought they could do it, and I let them do it. And if there was something that I felt that had to be uh, different, then we discussed it on the set. You know, they're doing the shootings. Like, can we try this or that? To, uh, don't turn too early. Turn too, uh, very simple thing. But for the rest, see, I let them go. Yeah, I, I, I was not interfering. I'm not, uh, let's say, well, yeah, but remember that you, in your use you had whatever. No, not, no, 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 uh, no past and uh, uh, or motivation. No. But well, the the sex scenes with Virginia and Daphne, there's some choreography involved in that, or you leave it to the actress yeah, to figure sure. out what they're coming. That, my, that was all done because I storyboarded every every shot. Okay. Uh, like I did for an, uh, would do for my action films. Yeah, uh, they were also storyboarded. Certainly, all the action scenes were all storyboarded because it's too complicated to come to the set and let's try this. Right. So you have to find out before what you're going to do. And basically, uh, for me, the sexuality in Basic Instinct or Showgirls or in in the case of of uh, Benedetta, um, th that was basically looking at the storyboards. So I showed them all the storyboards, say that you do it. And then everybody said, uh, fine. I mean, realized that the, 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 the attitude of French actors and actresses, but certainly actresses in this case in France, is really different than here in, in uh, yeah. the United States. Um, I know that there is new, uh, let's say, uh, uh, a coordinator yeah, on, the, on the set, uh, intimacy coordinator mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the United States. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt that the coordinators, <laughs> there's no intimate, intimacy coordinators in, 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 uh, in France. I felt that uh, Virginie and Daphne were, the, were basically 
the intimacy coordinators themselves, you know, because I gave them the, if there would, if there would have been something where they said, well, I don't feel that way, or I don't want to be seen that way, that way, or can you change? I mean, then I, we would have just done it, but it was, it was not necessary to say anything. I mean, I said, well, okay, we do the scene. Well, they took the clothes off and they did the scene. But it was not like, oh, I mean, yes, I made the crew a bit smaller. Yeah? Not 30, 40 people were around, were three or four, five, five, of course, that you needed, really. But for the rest, it was a little bit, uh, of course, uh, 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 that, was a, but that is also a, a rule of intimacy, I, I think, uh, let's say, that you are not, uh, that they're not exposed uh, more than necessary. But... Right. But there was no problem. No, we 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 talked about the story word. I think I don't think there was a, a, anywhere a, 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 something like really. <laughs> do I have to do that? No, no. The, the, it's different. Yeah, in France. Yeah, yeah. 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 So this is um, even though the film is you know just premiering in Cannes and is is now coming to 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 the U.S. It's actually a film you finished two years ago, right? Or nearly right, two years yeah. ago? Three, yeah, we shot it three years ago, nearly. Okay. So was it strange to be making a film set during a plague and then and then be and then for us to go into a sort of our new pandemic reality and. I mean, it was, of course, a full coincidence. I don't think it was, uh, let's say, a prophecy, but. Um, of course, if you talk about medieval times, the, yeah. the, the plague was always there. I mean, it started in uh, around 1100 and went on to 1650 or something. The last one, I think, break, uh, breakout was in uh, London. And so uh, when I did another medieval movie, uh, Flesh and Blood, which was in mm -hmm. the 80s somewhere, um, um, beginning of the 80s, um, there is also uh, the, the plague is also there. You know, if you uh, work on in medieval times, the plague was always there. It certainly disappeared, came back, and uh, a little bit like at the moment still in it, 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 it disappears and then it, uh, there's a uh, changes and it comes back and this and that. So it was very natural to use, uh, let's say, uh, the, uh, the plague to use that in the script. Also, it was emphasized in the book, of course, that in Pescia, by coincidence, perhaps, the, the, the plague didn't arrive uh, for 10 years or 15 years. So, uh, which was seen, of course, as, as uh, Benedetta's relationship with Jesus, that, uh, that the city was spared. That right. city. So, um, it's, it's, it was, uh, let's say, something that happened at that time. And there was a plague, and and strangely enough, in fact, it didn't reach Pescia or around Pescia. There was a lot of, of plague. Yeah. Right. So, but so we used what 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 I read in the book is <laughs> in Judith's book. So we just so oh there was a plague, but not a bit not there. And she says it, you know. I might she has said Bartholomew. It's just because of my relationship with Jesus, basically. She says also in the movie, you know, when the, when the uh, catchy, the, the provost basically says, uh, we are the, 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 what do you call it, the, the, the comet that is above the, <laughs> the, the, the comet is true too, eh? <laughs> not invented. <laughs> At that year, it happened, that comet was there. And so, uh, and, and, and Benedetta says, uh, the 
Ketchy says um, that is punishment. Yes, it, 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 there is, that is, God is telling us to the meteor that, be, that you will be punished. Uh, Peschia will get the, the, the plague and we will all die. And then she walks up uh, uh, to the statue of, of, um, statue of, of Jesus and says, that's not true. You know, that the meteor says, Jesus is with us. Yeah, he will. It is a, saying that Pesquia will pro, be protected from the plague. Now, that's all. I take it from the book, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's not invented. A lot. I mean, there's a show. Uh, uh, perhaps sometimes you would think uh, how much is invented, and of course there is the, the revolution at the end. Yeah, that's invented by us. But but so many other things, all the visions that she has are all from the book. I mean, yeah, we changed them a little bit and, and stuff like that. But I mean, uh, I think there is about f uh, at least 50 things that we basically just took from, from the book. Because I thought it was so unique. And, and I felt the more historical can I be, let's say, the, the more interesting for me. Because it's, then I, I have the feeling that I'm doing something that really happened. And basically, I just deviated from at the end because I felt uh, now it is a movie and now there has to be a dramatic uh, ending. So that, that I interfered with, with history. Uh, right. But um, in general, of course, uh, if you look at the, at the visions, basically, they're all there. I mean, that she's attacked by, uh, by animals, that she basically is attacked by uh, people that want to uh, kill her, etc. That's all, in, all, all visions that are mentioned in the book. So um, last last question for you, Paul. Um, you know, I, for me, I think you're a filmmaker whose films have really been a you know a really telling, like interesting indicator of their their times. Not just the films themselves, but how they're received. I think tell us something about the moment that we're we're in. Um, I don't know if you remember the the when we had you in New York for your retrospective, we showed um, Starship Troopers the week that Trump was elected, uh, and so that was like a really you know, I think to watch Starship Troopers in the the very first days of the Trump uh, was, yeah, sure. was was a really you know. So I'm I'm just wondering. Also, that was coincidence. Although of course, it was, also it was yeah. based on intuition. I yeah. mean, <laughs> it, uh, of course, it was also Heinlein, of course, the, the yeah. writer of the book yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff. But that was uh, really, uh, let's say, uh, militaristic or fascistic. Uh, so we changed a bit the tone of that, but we were we thought at Numara and I we, that there was a possibility that that let's say the United States m might go into a right wing direction, you know, at, at that time. Um, um, and uh, uh, the film starts with with uh, the, the teacher Michael Ironside that says after the failure of democracy. Etc. Etc. Yeah, that is mm -hmm. the statement already from the beginning, and um, but we did not think that it would really happen. Right. We think it could happen, and it, that, that, and and then we took that uh, as a film, of course. But um, it, it it turned out that it was closer to reality than we thought. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. What I, what I wanted to ask you was, you know, based on the reactions to Benedetta so far. I mean, you've made, you know, films that have, you know, provoked or maybe even shocked audiences over the years. And I think the reaction of the audience says something about the cultural climate of the time. What do you think of today? You know, what is the cultural climate we're in I mean, based on based on conversations you've had is, about Benedetta so far? 
there is, uh, of course, an, a, a movement towards, uh, let's say, um, Puritanism. Eh? Uh -huh. I mean, sexuality is really, um, it looks like people are, are, are afraid of, of showing sexuality, have become. That basically, that's something like religion. You cannot uh, touch it. And, and um, that is uh, more and more uh, visible, of course, in the, in the politics. The, I have the feeling that, um, that we are drifting, yeah. I mean, the, the country um, in, in a direction that, that would not be my choice, no. And um, of course, uh, there is also a, a strong movement here uh, that is um, what, what you would call evangelical, isn't it? Mm -hmm. In the US, you mean, yeah. Yeah, sure. And uh, Pompeo and Pence were mm -hmm, evangelicals. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, and I, I strongly disagree with, <laughs> with evangelical thinking, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think the more ba basically there, there are these kind of quotes basically that say we'll, we will bring Jesus back to the White House. I think we shouldn't do that. Yeah. Because it's not possible. Well, on that note, uh, <laughs> well, maybe one, you know, I think one thing the culture needs is maybe more more films like uh, like Benedetta. So right. <laughs> um, I'm working on a project basically that uh, is called uh, Young Sinner. Great, great. So, well, uh, maybe Edelmeyer is the writer of Robocop and Oh, Sasha excellent, Cooper. excellent. Yeah, it's situated. It's, it's not science fiction. Well, perhaps a couple of months in the future, but it is. Uh, let's say uh, uh, you could call it a, a Washington thriller. Is uh, in, in, but it has also to do with religion. Yeah. So, great. Yeah. Um, well, maybe maybe we can have you in person next time uh, in New York with us. It was a real it, pleasure, it, Paul. It's silly because I mean uh, that I I have good reasons not to, not to travel too much, you know, because yeah, I had yeah. uh, four operations in the last two years, so I I, I stayed. You you feel vulnerable and and and, and um, that makes you a bit afraid, basically, to be yeah. in big crowds. So mm -hmm. that's why I avoid it. But um, but it would be wonderful to to come back in a normal way and, yes. and travel hopefully. to New York. Yeah, clear. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully, hopefully soon. I think. Uh, yeah, we, hopefully, hopefully, Virginie can can come to the screening. I think we're still we're still working on that. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Save save your strength for the movies. Uh, we 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 need more from you. So. Uh, okay. No, thank, thank you. Okay. Thanks so much, Paul. Congratu best. Congratulations on 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 the film. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye bye.